Hey, this is Billy West, and you're listening to Too Much Scrolling. You're one stop for this sort of thing. I'll see you in the future. Greetings from the year 3000. It still sucks. January 3rd, 2023. I'm Steve Foder. And I'm Sesame Street's Bert. <laughs> We're just a couple of guys sitting around talking about things that are important to us. Hopefully they're important to you. If you need more information, there's so many great ways to find more information. Uh, uh, my KZ1043 is my favorite radio station. Sorry, I've been answering the phone like that all week. Um, just in case maybe maybe you'll win somebody took my nose steve somebody took my nose <laughs> we have had so much fun this week it's great to be here the first show of 2023 yes bert and ernie are back for another year of too much scrolling <laughs> <laughs> that's your monsters laugh not your bert laugh should i give the ernie laugh <laughs> Film at 11. Brings us to our film at 11, our movie of the week. Hey, Chip, did you finally find the motivation to go see Avatar, their way of water in the theater? I did, Steve. I did. (laughs) Even the guy selling me the ticket goes, it's three hours. It may not be worth it. (laughs) So the first thing we need to know is Avatar, the sequel. This is the 2022 sequel to the movie Avatar. Uh, Three hours long is is the first thing we need to know. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is, Steve. Three hours long. Your review is on Facebook, and and you've you've given us a a lot of information here. What is your simplified uh, review of Avatar The Way of Water, bro? Bro. Well, bro, let me tell you. Bro is used quite a bit. It may be the word of the year. So, bro, that is the first thing you need to know, bro. It's it's used so much through this movie, uh, bro. Spider uses it quite a bit. And, and he is the human character that is unable to go back to Earth when, when the last Avatar ended. He was the baby. Um, yeah, I don't remember that part either uh, because the, the first movie came out so long ago and I didn't sit through it again. I think I've seen Avatar once and Avatar, The Way of Water, I will see once too. I'm not really sure that ultimately it's going to be a movie that you know young people see many, many, many times. So I, I said there was three things that uh, you should know about this film. The first one is go- we're going to go back to the Blue Cat people, and uh, they're tall, they're strong, and they're cat-like. They have tails, Steve. And so we're going to go mm-hmm. visit them again, and I just want to remind you that Ohana means family, because that is very important in this Disney film. That's a different Disney film. That is a different blue character. That is Lilo. It's very important in this film, too. Uh, (laughs) And the Fast and and the Furious. And that's right. (laughs) That's also very that's also very similar. James Cameron is our, our director. He, you know, he did Terminator, he did Alien, he did Titanic. He knows how to put together epic films. He wanted to create an epic film. 
that's going to have the weight and the strength of like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or Harry Potter. Um, and then, you know, he also wanted to do very much what George Lucas did, wanted to redefine the film medium with technology of movie making. And so let's let's just kind of talk a little bit about that real quickly. Um, yes, we got the Blue Cat people. Yes, the technology is there. It is breathtaking when you go in to watch this film. It is like, it's hard to believe that this is an animated film. Uh, I mean, you know it is. and uh, But it, it it truly is amazing. The thought that they put into the water, um, into the the animals that, and the insects, and how this world was put together and how they interact with each other. When they go to an island, the people are similar but different. They have a different hue of blue. They're blue cat people, but different hue of blue. Their arms are a little bit different because they were water people versus the forest people. That That's pretty amazing. One of my uh, favorite scenes, in fact, one to look for, is one of the daughters is laying in the water, about two feet of water with her face down. And the camera is like on the ocean floor, looking up at the face of the daughter and then you, you've got the water that's right above her, where her head's under the water. And then you've got the sky above. And I just was looking at that and I was going, that is just an amazing, thoughtful, ambitious way of looking at filmmaking, especially when you're dealing with animation. And they did it. So technology can do everything. You want to make a whale? We can make a whale. You want to make a, um, I don't know, some kind of swordfish or whatever. You can totally do that now. So he he absolutely hit it out of the ballpark with that part of it. Where it fails is the story. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't have weight. You get what's going on. Yeah, you got the bad humans coming. Somehow they've destroyed their uh, planet Earth. They're going to come take over Pandora. They are invading this Native uh, American, uh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't call it Native, Native groups world, and and ultimately is going to take over. It's wreaking havoc, and you've got your Darth Vader type of bad military guy mm-hmm. who is going to be the hunter of this. It just doesn't have the weight. Yeah, he's a bad guy. Yes, people are doing appalling things. They're hunting whales. Um, it just doesn't resonate as much yeah yeah I, I just i couldn't imagine sitting through this like steve does watching star wars on christmas day or one of your kids if they liked harry potter you know um watching all the harry potters i just don't see it being that it all comes down to that characterization it is all about whether or not i care whether or not i empathize with these characters and yes the beauty of the art of the filmmaking is one important piece of this but if i don't care about the characters i find it really difficult to sit through a a story so i'm going to rate this 55 out of 100 so it's it's all right and if you want to go see something like this, I, I would encourage you. And when the next one comes out, I will see that too. Mm-hmm. So, But if if you ask me, hey, on Saturday afternoon, we're going to play all the Lord of the Rings, you know, 12 hours worth of movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could throw that on the background. 
I could sit down and, and watch that, and I could feel the weight of of you know taking the rain to Mount Doom and all that other stuff. I just I don't feel it here, hmm. and there's there's a disconnect there that happened in the first movie that happened when I went to Animal Kingdom down at Disney uh, and and went on the the Avatar ride, which was incredible. But if you ask me to like really describe it and stuff and want to be in this world, no. I mean it's 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 a big cartoon. So anyway, I I I do recommend that if this is of interest to you, that you will go and you'll enjoy it. The kids around me love this film. Okay. So it wasn't as if, you know, I'm just it, it could be not aimed at me. I could be older and have seen a lot more. Um I'm not really sure that this was you know aimed strictly at me cameron is definitely skilled you should marvel at the filmmaking of this but i'm not really sure that the the uh, story is going to be the, the um the story he wanted and for me story is the most important as an avid reader I think storytelling is my favorite part of well my life. I love storytelling. Yes, the visually impressive things are are interesting, but I don't know that I would go through that action of that movie for 3 hours being stunned by all the visuals. So let's talk really quickly about Pixar mm-hmm. and what made Toy Story so amazing. You know, it had it had technology. It had great filmmaking. It's animation, but, but they know. absolutely sat down and said, "We are not going to make the next technologically amazing film without heart, without soul, without anima, without the, a story that." captures that idea that empathy where the audience cares about whether these characters live or die even though they are toys even though they are not real people and and misa want to bring up the uh star wars prequels too same thing because you have lucas who basically is cameron in this uh scenario um bringing in the latest technology but he's really struggling with story. And Lucas has a story to draw from, but it's certainly, you know, is struggling in the prequels. The story of the first three Star Wars we have talked about so many times. We have used as a metaphor that idea of the Joseph Campbell adventure going through this story, having the hero and how the hero's journey is so important to that storytelling. And that's missing from the prequels and in, even from the the, the post, uh, <laughs> the Disney era, uh, there's, some, there's some problems with my care for those characters and and the limitations of lucas with the prequels uh episode one two and three was you'd have like these football stadium rooms mm-hmm. and uh, a whole Beautiful. bunch of people walking <laughs> you know not, a lot not, of couches. Not, not not a lot of people walking you know, uh-huh. it'd be like a football stadium with like three or four people walking and having a discussion and they sit or, down on a couch and they have a conversation yeah exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> So we've moved beyond that. Avatar has totally, totally moved beyond that. We can do anything and everything you can imagine. But having the best technology means it looks great. But, you know, if you're struggling with the story, and this is actually, 
I don't know if it's a stronger story than the prequels. I don't know. I, I'll say it isn't. Okay. Anyway, but it doesn't really matter. Visually, gorgeous story. I'm not invested. It's going to be iconic. It, it, the first Avatar is iconic. There are so many people that that saw that. It made $3 billion. It It is a very popular movie from 2009. But I, I still struggle with going to see this movie and caring about these characters. I stayed at home and watched another Disney animated film. This is Strange World. And it suffers from many of the same problems that Avatar does. Well, this was released. This was the Thanksgiving release mm -hmm. for Disney. And uh, tell us a little bit about um, what this story is about and what its strengths are. <laughs> the reason why I have to tell you is because a lot of people didn't go to the theater to see this movie. This is a flop for Disney. The story of adventurers going into an unknown strange world and finding the way to to get the threat to their existence and to solve the problem this sounds like a really great adventure story for families because it's disney animation but it really suffers from the cartoon physics there's so many times in this where all of the characters are falling to their death and I had no feeling like they were falling. I had no idea that I was in danger watching this happen. The cartoon physics makes it really difficult to be emotionally connected to the plot. Wow, that, that sounds very Avatar-like. Mm -hmm. What was so strange about this failing, and I, I just know it as a failing film, not necessarily because I saw it, but... But because Disney, you didn't. <laughs> but, but Disney... Um, you know, they, they have groups that they, they show these films to. They they make changes to them. They strengthen the stories. To have a film come out and just whiff so poorly, mm -hmm. I mean, it just seems like something at Disney has been, is going wrong. It, and it's the storytelling. It is the characterizations that is the problem. Back okay. to Toy Story. They knew that they needed to tell a good story. The the behind-the-scenes stories of Toy Story creation is wonderful, wonderful storytelling. We are in an era where storytelling is important. Uh, I know that you and I are avid readers, and we read a lot of stories. But a lot of my students don't read. They are enthralled by the visuals and they might love the visuals of avatar and strange world but the old curmudgeons hey hey bert you want to go see a movie that has no characters in it i need a story for this that may be an interesting insight steve mm -hmm. i mean truly i mean it came out with game of thrones that the producers had not read game of thrones mm. and they were uh particularly in the last season they were relying on the actors to kind of feel out their characters. And that, it may be indicative of this time, yep. that we have somehow created the technology to, to tell whatever story you want, but because there's not enough experience with the reading to go through a thousand you know, uh, journeys and to live a thousand lifetimes, mm -hmm. that maybe they're struggling with the storytelling. Ooh, that, Ooh, that may be a discussion with Pam. 
Absolutely. There's a metaphor to strange world that is an environmental message about earth. And that metaphor gets very muddled at the end of this story. There's, there's so many recent Disney stories that the metaphor gets disrupted. And uh, it's very frustrating to me as somebody who thinks critically about where we are at in environmentalism and who we are as earthlings to get that, that metaphor is just not quite right here. Well, Steve, instead of um, talking more about this film, let's go to a director that maybe, uh, takes a starship and, and goes through a great big uh, starship and breaks the story and go to Ryan Johnson and Glass Onion. I like Ryan Johnson and his directorial work is so fun. Glass Onion, the sequel to Knives Out from 2019. This movie hit theaters in November. Same thing. This is our Thanksgiving release. And it is uh, another movie that you did not see. It's another movie that you skipped. And, and we didn't even talk about it before today. Well, how interesting. It's really hard to tell when movies are coming out and whether they're coming to theaters. Because even when we look at the best, um, I guess, services that list them, those, those dates change all the time. I do know that this film stars Bond, James Bond. Yes. Once again, we see famed Southern detective Benoit Blanc. This time he <laughs> travels to Greece and has another adventure, another murder mystery. This is this is fun storytelling. This is great characterization. These are great actors who really, I really cared about. I really cared about every single one of these people. And I hoped that they were going to, you know, survive the night in this murder mystery. Glass Onion is a great film. I suggest this one highly. And it has a lot of uh, notable actors in it. Mm -hmm. And that's another part of it is that Ryan Johnson certainly is attracting great casts. One of the articles that I read uh, is an article that is titled Dave Bautista is the best actor to ever come out of wrestling. That's pretty high praise. We've seen some great actors come out of the wrestling. Well, wrestling is acting, It's not like right? they crawl out of the rocks, Dave. The Rock is the, the Rock is very popular. He's a very, very important actor in movies today. But Dave Bautista does a phenomenal job of acting in this movie. He is definitely somebody to watch. Well, Mystery Science Theater 3000 is one of Steve's favorite uh, services out there that makes fun of fun movies. Yes. Steve sometimes finds movies that they, that they will eventually riff. Sometimes Steve's wife finds movies that are riffable, and she gets very angry when I start riffing during movies. She found a movie this week called Christmas on Mistletoe Farm. This was just released on Netflix, and I got to tell you, this is the most adorable, family-friendly, beautiful story about inheriting a farm at Christmas time, a widowed father with five kids and a goofy farm hand that I, I, I love this movie and it's terrible. This is a terrible movie that we watched twice because it's so heartfelt. It's so silly and, and lovely and awful. Steve, does Nanny McPhee show up? 
No, there is no Nanny McPhee character. There is just Scott Page, who is a London musical actor, an over-the-top Jim Carrey character, larger than life. He's bigger than everybody else on, on, on screen, and he just exudes joy in every scene the character cares the character cares for these kids the character cares for this farm the character cares for the animals and there is so much happiness in this crummy little movie i suggest this movie to everybody who likes the idea of finding joy in life so we have children we have farm animals uh-huh. And uh, I'm sure we'll have sounds. <laughs> I'm sure that makes for a great film. Of course. Of course. There's all sorts of fart jokes in this movie. Of course. There's there's the birth of certain animals that, of course, uh, the adults can't handle and they pass out during the birth of animals. And the children are like, no, we can handle this. This is fine. There are five kids in this family. And then they add two more kids in the village in this story. And the seven kids are just adorable. This is my favorite bad Christmas movie of 2022. (laughs) And, and, And what makes a great film other than costuming, Steve? Oh, the costuming is terrible. <laughs> there is terrible, awful. The one of the storylines is one of the uh, characters is making all of the ugly sweaters for everybody in the village. So they're all walking around in these bright '80s sweaters. It's it's glorious. Excellent. Book it. Book it. Book it. Book it, book it, book it. Book it. Book it. Brings us to our book it, our book of the week. Oh boy, Chip, it is the first week of January. Well, that means we still have some, you know, some rules that we want to follow to become better people. Those of you who who like to make your New Year's resolution, and yes, the first week we stick to our New Year's resolution. Well, some people do, Steve. Some people do. So the idea of motivation is something that I talk about in my profession all the time. We are constantly thinking about how do we motivate kids? What makes kids want to do the things that we adults believe are best for kids? You talk about motivation in your line of work. I, I do many times. What I look for is a good book that's written by you know a person that could be in Reservoir Dogs. Mr. Pink. This is Daniel H. Pink. He is an author of many, many self-help books. We've talked about a few of them in the past. The book for this week is called Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us. This was published in 2011. We're just getting to it now. We have talked about other Daniel H. Pink books. Uh, We reviewed A Whole New Mind, Moving from the Information Age to the Conceptual Age, back in 2017. Interesting. And I read this, I don't know, two or three months ago, maybe. Anyway, so we're going to talk about it, Steve. Yeah. Daniel Pink has really interesting ideas about 
all sorts of topics. This one on human motivation. Four decades of scientific research on human motivation. He draws down our motivations into basically three things, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. He says that maybe the old ideas of the carrot and the stick giving us rewards or punishments isn't the best way to motivate people. That was the interesting takeaway I got from this, is that when you're working with someone, you usually think, oh, we'll just put a bonus at the end of it, or we'll go to a movie at the end of it, or have a pizza party at the end of it. That's not always the best approach when you're trying to motivate your team, your students, your um, whatever group you're working, your your um, business. That's mm-hmm. not, that may not be the best way to motivate those who have interest and are involved. In his research, he finds that that carrot and stick process might work for physical tasks. The idea of the assembly line worker, the industrial revolution idea of work. But as we get more into cognitive skills, decision making and creativity, those carrots and sticks might actually dull the the motivation. Yeah, they kind of it, it kind of puts out the light that makes them helpful that makes them creative, that makes them problem solvers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we don't want to do that. We want to encourage the success that we want, but we, you know, you want to make sure that you're working as a people are best able to respond. And I immediately am thinking right now of uh, the, the quiet quitting phase mm-hmm. or the, even the quiet firing phase mm-hmm. where um, people are just opting out. In fact, there's a group of people who are just not part of the unemployed because they're just not participating and they don't get counted. So this could be an important insight on how to get those people um, active and helpful and fulfilling the things that they would like to fulfill in life, assuming they're not. So he brings up these three keys, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. He says that autonomy, our desire to be self-directed is important to our feeling that we want to get to whatever it is, whatever goal that we're trying to reach, that engagement over compliance is important. There's some truth to that. The best rules are where you don't have a lot of rules, but you have everyone kind of working for the betterment of the situation. If you're micromanaging or putting so many rules that someone's unable to think for themselves, you've really stifled them. And you actually could work against yourself because you could say, well, there wasn't a rule that said not to do this. So it's either allowed or, or not allowed. Which I are- run into this in the classroom all the time. The students who are so, so knowledgeable of the rules and know how to get around any kind of rules that they want because the rules don't say that you can't do that. Therefore, I'm going to do it. And they smile. Oh, wow. Well, that's, uh-huh. that's a terrible way to lead. Uh, and in fact, if you've got a big manual of rules... Mm-hmm. It may be something to reconsider on how your leadership is going uh, mm-hmm. and and kind of trim those away and give people, you know, some flexibility on making decisions. There are times where there are, you know, life and death situations, but if you're on every day, a moment having to micromanage a person's activities, you're not giving them, you're not, first of all, you're not hiring a human. You're, you're trying to hire a robot. Right. 
that back to the industrial revolution, that idea of engagement. I, my favorite quote, and I've thought about this all through 2022. My favorite quote is if you want to raise a child in the 21st century, the best and most successful children are the ones who are curious, engage that curiosity, make them want to find out more. That is, that's an important skill. Since I work with a lot of college students uh, and, and talk to them, many of them, you know, they, they have food, they have shelter. Um, mm -hmm. They're interested in some kind of mission that's important to them. And in fact, they'll go and they'll make good money doing something, but their passion is not there. They'll leave it to take something that maybe from an outsider looks like, well, you know, you're earning less, your opportunities are less. But it is something that they feel very strongly about mm -hmm. and their engagement, their passion, and um, their, you know, their life seems to be more fulfilled. That brings us to Danny Pink's third piece. That's purpose, the desire to do something that has meaning and is important. Businesses that only focus on profits without valuing purpose will end up with poor customer service and unhappy employees. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I mean, you really do have to not only think about why you're doing it, but, you know, what, I, I, I keep thinking of John Mackey's book, The Conscious Capitalist, um, and where he was talking about the purpose of Whole Foods. And he said the f purpose of Whole Foods was to make the most money in food, even though we could argue that they, they do charge a lot. It was to help people eat better, to be healthier mm -hmm. people. And so when you think about your business or your purpose, trying to articulate that very simply to either your, your clients or your um, uh, employees is very important. Like, why are we doing this? Well, mm -hmm. to, help, to help people live better lives. And that's important in the classroom. I have to allow my students to find their purpose. They need to desire the information that I'm sharing with them. If they don't see any value in it, they're not going to be interested. They're not going to bother. You know, imagine some Broadway show, maybe based off of uh, loosely of, of uh, Sesame street, maybe called Avenue Q that maybe mm -hmm. has a song about purpose. <laughs> purpose is very important. <laughs> Danny Pink's second piece is mastery. How important to your motivation is your personal urge to get better at something, to be more skilled? We've talked about this many times, engaging your mind, finding the next piece of information for you. That mastery is a big motivator for us. Uh, anybody who's been around me immediately looks at my strong athlete, athletic body and says, you know, where do you, you know, keep that? Yeah, that's right. We, you know, he must have a lot of dedication to master those type of skills. Uh -huh. um, but you know, there there is a uh, there is a reason for that. Is mm -hmm. that we do want to feel like that? You know, today we are better than we were yesterday, or some uh, part of the past. Uh, and, and that's the, a very adult idea. That's that's a very mature thought. I, I don't know that my students think that way. That urge to get better skilled is something that, for some of my students, it, it's motivating, but not for a majority, I don't think. Let's just say that you wanted to be Pele and you wanted to be the best soccer player in the world. 
And they would say, who is Pele? Oh, rest in peace, Pele. Sorry. Sorry that we lost Pele this week. Oh, that's sad. Thank you. You you could say the same thing about Michael Jordan, and they would say, who is Michael Jordan? He's that guy that cries. That's all they know. That's all they know about Michael Jordan is he's that guy that cries. And they go, oh, no, he used to play basketball. And they go, oh, I didn't know that. One day they'll say that about LeBron James. Yes. Right. Motivation is so important. We Again, in my profession, we talk about motivation in, in our teaching profession constantly. How do we get kids to want to learn? This is a great way to think about motivation. This is a very thoughtful writing, and uh, if you have interest in it, I suggest you read it. It is Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us by Daniel H. Pink. Appetite. <laughs> hey, hey, Chip. The, that brings us that that sound brings us to our appetite, our app of the week. Steve, what is an appetite? Remember, remember back in 2014 when we started this show and we said, "Oh, we are we're going to focus on what's important: movies, books, and apps." We'd have an app of the week. Well, that that went away, Steve. That's many people. I don't know how many people change and get new apps every day, but uh, I do many. want. I do want to mention an app that I'm currently using, uh, the Hue Lighting uh, app from Philips, the Philips Hue uh, Lighting app. If someone's not familiar with them, it is the, I guess, the luxury premium light bulb out there. And uh, yes, they cost luxury and premium prices, but they are pretty amazing. And I've got some Hue lights, and what I want to mention is, is they brought out the natural light scene this um this last month and the natural light scene is something that that's incredible when you wake up in the morning if you flip on your light bulb and you're using natural light it's going to come across as daylight and as the day moves forward the light becomes warmer and warmer and warmer uh and so it kind of follows the natural progression of the sun to kind of a candlelit color later in in at night Interestingly, this was our app of the week, January 6th, 2015. How about that? Really? How about that? Well, I'm still using it, Steve. And the color temperature, um, there's there's a theory out there that it affects your body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you think about what lighting is, is you can get cool lighting, blue lighting, or you can get warm lighting. But... This is, the idea is, if we can move from the cooler lighting, the bluer lighting, you're awake, you're energized, you can concentrate during the day, mm-hmm. but as the, night, uh, as the night progresses, taking away that blue light basically, basically works with your algorithm, uh, helps you relax, helps you get ready for sleep and rest for the next day. And, and then you get moonlighting, but that's Bruce Willis. That's right. That's right. And Sybil Shepherd. <laughs> and Sybil Shepherd. <laughs> this is this is uh, an important part of our day. We we think about light sometimes, especially in these dark the uh, dark days of winter, and the idea of getting natural sunlight. There's there's plenty of products out there that are trying to provide that vitamin D in artificial ways, but the idea that your room 
can change during the day in in a semi-natural way is brilliant. And if somebody works from home and works in a basement and they don't have natural light, the, the idea of working with your natural rhythm is something that is, you know, something that certainly would be potentially advantageous to you. Um, so I, I, I am glad that we're, our lighting is becoming smart lighting. I hope that Philips and other companies um, follow suit and make it more affordable for everyone. Yeah, these these are still expensive. You are right. It is a premium product at a premium price, including the Festiva lights that you have been working with for the holiday season. It's an interesting. It's called Festiva lights. They're not called Christmas lights, Dave. They're it's called Festiva. That's right. So these are, um, I don't know, they call them fairy lights in in, um, in England. They are Christmas lights here in the United States. They are for indoor use only they're not for outdoor uh, use um but they are their first attempt at, at bringing together christmas lights so i'm going to start off by saying that if you wanted to put 300 christmas lights and you wanted to use the incandescent lights you go over to your local i don't know walmart or target and you can get 300 lights for probably nine dollars um if you wanted to do led lights in the similar vein you could get probably 300 lights for i don't know thirty dollars um, if you wanted to get 250 Festiva lights, Hugh, it's $160. So wow. th- if you wanted to say premium, and that, that assumes that you have the hub that, that it works with. Uh, assumes you have the hub. So you have to you have to be in the ecosystem with the Hue lights. These are amazing, though. Absolutely, unbelievably amazing. Um, I have had so much fun playing with them. They truly are a luxury. Um, okay. But I would say, um, if you're familiar with Philip Hugh bulbs, you like that type of um, lighting, um, then you can you certainly can enjoy these. There are three different effects that that you can put on these. So there's a fireplace effect that you know, you know if you want to look at your tree go up in flames. No, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds terrible. <laughs> no, it's sort of have you know maybe how I um if you looked at a, you know a fireplace with a fire log in there how that right. kind of glows well your your Christmas tree could do that same type of thing okay. there's there's a candle flickering so you know you're looking around the tree and you see these little flickers that, like the like, old fashioned way that we lit trees with candles before the uh, invention of electric light yeah and then there's a sparkle feature which is these slow where it gets the the burn gets hotter and then it gets um, less and it just kind of your tree has this kind of movement to it. Mm. It's incredible. Now you have all the scenes that you have available through your Hue app that are available. So if you you want your your Christmas tree to be a reading light, you certainly can do it. <laughs> um, and then there's you know they have all different colors. You can make your own scenes. But there's a lot of scenes that they just have put together. Um, in addition to that, there's a number of apps that feed into Philips Hughes that give you other scenes. This is truly a special luxury. I absolutely have enjoyed having them. I, I do not enjoy the price. It was way, way over over the top. But, you know, life is full of decisions. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is certainly something that's, that's very interesting. Um, so you okay. have these on your holiday tree. Now that the holiday has ended, what are you planning on doing with these lights? I'm going to wrap them around my body. 
No. <laughs> I'm going to put them back in their package and get them ready for next year. I guess they okay. could they could go on they could stay up all year round. You could put them around your house if you found a place for them. They they really do. They they have beautiful light. They they work with all of your other hues. So if you have a if you have a room, let's just say you have I don't know, six or seven light bulbs in your room. Mm-hmm. And you put together a scene. Now, one bulb could be one color, another one could be another. It could look like it's a uh, a sunset. Well, these fit real well in that. So okay. I use these. I, I have the strip lights. I actually have strip lights to go outside. They they really do create the the atmosphere, the mood, nice. Steve. Whatever mood you need it to be. So I, I like them in the morning because you can have it so it's energizing. I like it in the evening because you truly can get this nice little relaxing feel to it. Um, they really do create a nice mood. Bravo, Phillips, for putting putting these out there. It's been years and years in the making. Oh, yeah. And uh, the future is bright for the light bulb industry. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. You. That's right. Try the feel. Scroll with it. Brings us to our scroll with it. Oh boy, Chip. I my excitement about radio continues in 2023. It's a good time to talk to Eddie Steve from up on Appleton, Wisconsin. Yes, Appleton, Wisconsin, Eddie, the music director for Weird Al Radio, which ends today, and, and he's gonna give us a new format starting today. This is a special emergency broadcast. An emergency <laughs> podcast is in place. A special report. There is a Weird Al radio on the air, Chip. Did you say a Weird Al sighting, Steve? Weird a Weird Al, Al 24 hours a day, seven days a week on the radio right now. You, you need to go to KZ1043.com and listen to Weird Al 24-7 right now. <laughs> absolutely right i'm excited about it eddie eddie is here eddie is the music director at weird al radio 104.3 he is the inside spoon how's it going over there eddie first of all who doesn't like to be the inside spoon right everyone likes a good cuddle a good being you know good tug there so i love it that's great oh no things are going great man uh we're having some fun we're having some fun over here so tell us all about this artistic endeavor, celebrating the best, uh, perhaps <laughs> not technically the best, but arguably the most famous accordion player in an extremely specific genre of music. I mean, the one that should be in the Hall of Fame for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, it, it started. This has been a, a process now for quite a few months. Um, I think we first got the idea it was late June, July. We were talking about what we're going to do with, with, with our radio station over at 104.3 and we're spitballing ideas. And, you know, in, in the radio days, back in the good old days of radio, people would stunt in between formats. If they're flipping formats, they do some sort of stunt. And it hasn't really been done much often. Or what's been done very commonly lately would be like, just play one song on repeat for a day and then call it a day kind of thing. So we were just kind of like, well, what do we do? What do we do different? And then um, as a joke in a meeting, I just said, well, let's just play a Weird Al song. And then we got obsessed by, we went down the rabbit hole. So we started listening to Amish Paradise because he doesn't like Amish Paradise. And then that led to White and Nerdy. That led to Dare to be Stupid. It led to just, it became all of a sudden we're there for 40 minutes listening to Weird Al in an office when we should be working. 
Welcome to my world, Eddie. (laughs) And so the conversation then went, what if, what if we do Weird Al just nonstop? And we're like, well, all of a sudden people are like, how many songs does he have? I'm like, oh, look at his Spotify. He has a lot. Mm -hmm. And then we started going down there. Immediately everybody goes, dare to be stupid. Let's do it. (laughs) And then that's exactly how the conversation, we're like, all right, well, done. So really there was a, 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 a small group of people that knew this. Cause obviously we didn't want this to get out ahead of time. Cause you know, here we are now we're going from July to, to late December when we finally will, we pulled the trigger and, and, and made all our, made the switch here. So yeah, it, it's, it's been a process. So this started yesterday, December 27th. Uh, right. We just happened to put out our favorites of 2022 episode yesterday, December 27th. And I stated <laughs> what my favorite news story was. And then the universe gave me the gift of Weird <laughs> Al Radio 24-7. I'd like to amend yesterday's podcast. Uh, my new favorite news story of 2022 is WKZG in Appleton, Wisconsin, playing all Weird Al for a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great. No, I honestly, I, I did not. I mean, we knew we'd have some fun. We knew people would, would enjoy it, but we were not expecting Weird Al to retweet me. We weren't expecting Weird Al to post on his socials. It was just, uh, it came out of nowhere. Well, first of all, tell us about the Woodward Radio Group. Yeah. You're the owner of the radio station that said, yeah, let's do this. Well, it's great. It, it, it's employee owned. So we all have a share in, on the station. So um, we have four FMs, two AMs. And so we're, we're really, really mom and pop. And I've worked with the big conglomerates before. And I, I can promise you this, if I would have brought this idea up, you know, the last three companies I worked with, they all would have told me no and laughed in my face. So um, the idea that we, we said this as a joke and then we all looked at each other and said, all right, let's do it. And that's where be able to pull a trigger without having to go to somebody higher up. Cause you know, so it, it was actually, it's quite amazing with Woodward where they, they kind of let us do our thing. You guys are the radio programmers. If you think it's going to be fun and it's going to be good, do it and execute it. And so, uh, so yeah, we executed I've been a local radio for so long. And I love my little, little local radio stations like that, where they, the people on the air really have control over what the listeners are listening to. Yeah, it's definitely different, and I've never had that in my career, in my in my career, 20-some years in radio. So walking into this, you know, I have ideas. I'm like, oh, that'll never happen, but here we <laughs> it's are. happening, so here we are, yeah. And, and radios, you know, the lifeblood of them is their advertisers. Tell us, how do, how do advertisers uh, respond to, like, this type of promotion? They sort of know something's coming. I mean, we didn't talk to them either. I mean, but at this point, this station uh, we needed something. We had to okay. make a change here. So um, with that said, we obviously have our loyal real clients as well. And a lot of them know we're doing something. They don't know what, but they're going to stick with us as well. So we're, we're, we're in that plus where it's more of a relationship-based thing too. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see how it goes with our next endeavor on January 3. Oh, and then let's go with the listeners. How, how did they respond to this type of uh, yeah, playful <laughs> interaction? So far, it's been great. Good. So far, it's been great. We have not. Ha- I was expecting to have emails like because we went all Christmas, November one on that station, too. It, it's something that the station has done for years. OK, so usually Christmas ends, on the tw- obviously, at midnight, the 20, you know, 26th, and it goes back into normal programming, maybe another extra day of Christmas and call it a day. So we went a little bit longer with the Christmas before we went to Weedell and nobody obviously nobody complained about that. We flipped not a single email call, which is nice either. 
Um, but we started getting emails about people saying, well, now you guys got to stay with this, right? I mean, so <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible. Uh, the tweets we're getting from all over the world, people in the UK uh, want to stream, people in Australia, but obviously with, with the way music rights work and streaming rights work, we, we, you know, they, you know, can't stream there. So people are finding workarounds. There is workarounds. I'll throw that out there. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's incredible. Um, this morning, I'm hoping at one point to get data on day one streaming numbers. We couldn't get real time numbers yesterday, so um, we'll see if we uh, how well we hit national here. I'll tell you one thing: you are <laughs> you're a hit in my household. <laughs> Which brings us to our sponsor. VPN. No, no, it's <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> anyway, the uh, Kenosha kickers, Gus Polinski, the poker king of the Midwest, uh, he sends his best. That is and fantastic. He says, and he says, uh, are your efforts signaling a revival in this form of uh, dance music? You know, the polka. <laughs> <laughs> it's Wisconsin. You can never go wrong with polka in Wisconsin. So it was going to be a hit either way, we think. So why don't regular pop stations play weird Al's music you know that is a very good question and i wish i had a good solid answer for you but i think honestly like you know i'm a, I'm a music director also for our top 40 radio station um and i could see us you know play if he releases new music of a parody of a big you know the new taylor swift or whatever chances are you know me or the afternoon guy morning show play it once and call it a day i think that i think it's the fear of scaring your your normal your your regular listener normal. not normal normal you normal <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> so I think it's that fear of, of people turning off the radio um if you would do it regularly I don't huh. think they would if it's a, if it's a one time thing but who knows I think that maybe we might be debunking this with with Weird Al Radio here uh, that's I'm behind you 100 percent on that one my friend and, and when my kids were younger and they were playing um, well they were cheerleaders but the, the boys were playing uh uh pop football uh, you know a, a song like uh war crimes i couldn't play over the uh right. speakers but i could i'm sorry i could play word crimes so i couldn't play blurred lines right um because of the um the content correct uh, sure sure and so it allowed us to keep it clean but still have that beat the kids love I played word crimes at a first meeting of teachers when that song came out. Our first teacher meeting of the year is like, here's here's an educational song for you, teachers. <laughs> That's great. It's funny. It's entertaining. It's amazing to see just the, the loyalty of the Weird Al fans out there, too, and how much love we're seeing on social. All because he retweeted. So I'm being tagged in all these things of people saying stuff. I'm like, what? look, I had to turn off my notifications at one point. <laughs> but uh, it, it's just it's amazing because you don't really see that with many artists at all. So the dude obviously is hitting something in, in people that they just love. And it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. But you're not going to play that parody song, Beat It by Michael Jackson, are you? Oh, no, no. Nothing but Weird Al, buddy. Nothing but Weird Al. <laughs> Have, did you consider playing parody songs alongside the originals? Honestly, we did. We considered, okay, well, what if we did it, you know, instead of Weird Al Radio, maybe Dr. Demento style, just play parody songs of you know different people and stuff. But honestly, it was one of those things where like, well, Weird Al has the name. He has a library. Let's just do it and see what happens. I was listening yesterday and weasel stomping day came up and I was like, I, I never, I never thought I would live to see the day that weasel stomping day was played on the air 
thank you, Eddie. Oh, yeah, you're <laughs> welcome. Yeah, that, that's one of those songs I was going through the Spotify playlist to see, okay, what else can I throw in there? And I heard that and I just couldn't stop laughing. I'm like, it's almost too dumb not to play it. So like, I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> With the full orchestra, it is something special. <laughs> Let me tell you that. Well, I was going to say longtime listener and polka fanatic Lawrence Welk wrote this. He said, there are good days and there are bad days. And this is one of them. And that, you know, that's wonderful. Just wonderful. Have you considered bubbles in this broadcast? <laughs> Who doesn't like bubbles, right? So, yeah, <laughs> why not? Absolutely. I like that. But, you know, it, it, it's little stuff, right? Like, I had no clue by playing that one minute spatula city spot in between songs would generate like a, a bunch of tweets as well. So, like, it's, it's just wild what's what's connecting out there for sure. I don't have my Spatula City shirt on right now. I'm wearing my WKRP shirt instead. But yes, yes, Spatula City is something special in the Weird Al vernacular. So yeah, so hey, we're definitely just having some fun, and and we'll see if I uh, if we keep going strong as it is. Maybe we get a Weird Al appearance. I don't know, but uh, that would that would be the ultimate goal for me right there. Get him to do a couple breaks on the air. That would be well, fantastic. And I did also want to mention this, that in the news yesterday, the Warner Brother Discovery CEO, David Zaslav, indicates that he wants to have a new Harry Potter film come out, and they're going to recast it. And I was wondering if you had any feelings on, you know, how do you feel about Weird Al being recast, um, being too old to play Harry Potter? No, not at all. Weird Al could do anything, man. Sign it off. He could do it all. <laughs> No, but seriously, with, with Radcliffe, too, I mean, I, this, this whole I think they have given birth with that parody movie, his biopic uh, of, of new fans. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you think, I mean, he committed and what what an amazing job he did to that movie for sure. And there's plenty of new parody films coming out as a result of that parody film. He is Weird Al has once again created a genre. There's going to be more movies like that. You're Absolutely. saying that that's a parody? That wasn't true? <laughs> It's all true. It's all true. It's all true, except he did go to Live Aid and he played the heck out of Queen. There you go. <laughs> and I his mean, girlfriend, Madonna, certainly had a lot to say about that. Yeah, I mean, that, that twist with Madonna, though, I mean, I did not see that coming. I mean, that was an enjoyable movie for sure. So if you have, if folks listening haven't seen it, they got to get Roku in and check it out. Yes, weird. The Al Yankovic story on Roku. Go and find it out. We'll put it in the show notes. They could watch that one January 3rd. That would be the right time to do it after the. That's, uh, that's yes, it. yes. After this, after this, listen to the radio for another yeah, yeah, week. Listen for, we still got a, uh, six days, then January 3rd, 3 p.m. Uh, tune in, see if you, you like what we're doing next. And then uh, after that, watch the movie. So can you reveal anything about this secret new format at all? No, no, not at all. <gasps> not at all. Not at all. Oh, but uh, I wish you. I could because it's been a project for a while now. But no, I, uh, I've been sworn to secrecy. My, my oh. child is in stake here. I'll get him back on January 3. So uh, I can't say anything. It's going to no. be all Michael Jackson all the time. <laughs> no, no headline breaking in this emergency podcast. Eddie, thank you so much for this, this gift that you've given us. And thank you for joining us for this emergency special report. Weird Al on the radio, on the air, go to KZ1043.com and listen right now. Yep, Steve, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. You rock, man. Thank you so much.
Big thanks to Eddie for joining us and talking about uh, my favorite radio station of 2022. Looking forward to our first book club of 2023. Our January book is Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki. And uh, you should join us and read this book. Absolutely. Pamela Bedore said it was her favorite book or one of her favorite books of the year. And she said, you should read this and we are going to read it together. That's right. Get educated. Get Pamela Bedore on the line. I don't know, Chip. I think we have enough information to survive another week. What do you think? Only if we can come back next week, Steve. I think we can. It's a new year. It's a new you. Get motivated. Figure it out and get moving forward into the light. Moving to the light. No, that's that's bad. <laughs> we would love to hear from you. Give us a call or a text. Our phone number is 805-4104-TMS. Our website is too much scrolling.com or emails too much scrolling at gmail.com. We're still on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and YouTube. And you can always ask your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Too Much Scrolling. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Foder. And I'm Bert from Sesame Street. We'll see you in the future. <laughs>